0: Hey everyone, a quick note before I start the show. We're now about halfway through season two. Thanks for listening so far. As you know, I'm an independent producer. I make Bjork Unraveled in my spare time. Making the show and connecting with you guys is its own reward. But it's also expensive. Those monthly subscriptions to editing software and music libraries add up. So I wanted to make a small ask. If you're enjoying the show and want to help it grow please check out the link in the show notes. There, you can donate $1 or $5 a month. I don't know why Spotify chose those amounts, but at least they don't take a cut of each donation, like Patreon does. If you donate $1, I'll give you a personal shout-out at the end of the show. If you donate $5, I'll send you a handwritten letter and a special Bjork Unraveled sticker. And if you donate more than that, wow, I'll design you some custom merch. Really, any of this helps sustain the show, even just sharing Björk Unraveled with a friend if you can't donate. Because guess what? I already have plans for season three. Okay, thanks again for listening. On to the show. You're listening to Björk Unraveled, a series that demystifies Björk's music one piece at a time. I'm your host, Savannah Wright. My first memory of bjork isn't of her music, it's one of her album covers. I remember sitting in the back seat of my mom's old minivan on my way to a dentist appointment or cello lesson or something, and my sister Marissa was driving and she was rifling through some CDs at a stoplight. She pulled out one with a bizarre cover. It was unlike anything I'd seen before. A woman with pale skin stands in front of an icy blue background. She wears a silver kimono with a ruby red collar and a thick bronze neckpiece that makes her neck look stretched and elongated, like one of those Modigliani paintings I learned about in school. But that's not even the weirdest part. This woman also has two enormous buns on either side of her head. To me, they look like satellite dishes. Her nails are unusually long, and her eyes are silver and black, alien-like. If you're a Björk fan, you of course know which cover I'm describing. Homogenic. For me, Björk's album covers are almost as important as the music. But I couldn't explain why. That is, until I talked to another Björk fan about this.
1: Hi, my name is Sasha. I run a page on Facebook called Björk Songs as Tarot Cards.
0: Like me, Sasha spends a lot of time reading and categorizing old Björk interviews, As she read more and more of them, she saw certain themes emerging.
1: And I realized that just the things that she was touching on were so universal that it immediately came to mind like, oh, it's the the tarot cards. The tarot cards are like, in my opinion, the best system of archetypes. And it was through it was through that lens, through that framework that I started analyzing her music.
0: Little did she know, Bjork also has an interest in tarot cards.
1: One thing that maybe I haven't talked about that much is that for me the the characters on the covers of my album are almost like tarot cards. They're kind of like the archetypes or the sort of character that did that album. I think often once I've done a whole album and I've mixed it and I've put it and given it to my manager and it's done, I sort of start doing the visuals and I can sort of be like, oh my god, okay, I get it, It it's this kind of character.
0: When Sasha shared this quote, something clicked. I suddenly understood why Björk's album covers feel like a central piece of the puzzle. Because each album cover features a character that tells the story of the music. To understand that character is to understand the mood and theme of the songs inside. So in this episode, Sasha and I will go through Björk's album covers one by one. We'll decipher the album's archetype, color palette, and fashion to learn what each cover tells us about the music itself. And Sasha will make a few connections to tarot cards along the way. So the first one is debut. Um, We know that this was a photograph by Jean-Baptiste Mondino. Um, What do you want to talk about first in relation to this album? Do you want to kind of describe uh, the character
1: of Bjork that we see here? Sure. So this is and I think she's actually used the term virgin in in, uh, interviews when talking about this album cover like this is her first album where she was the songwriter and she was the creative director of the album so it's sort of her presenting her work and kind of shyly too I like the kind of energy that it gives off and and in another interview I read she was saying something about like you know this is me showing you all those songs that I'd been writing over 10 years it's kind of like you're coming into my house and I'm like oh these are my books and these are my pictures and let me cook you a meal so I, I like that she kind of gives off that energy just with her posture like oh here are my little songs I've been you know doing for over 10 years like very innocent e- even though she's not I mean she's been making music since she was nine I mean she was in a punk bands since she was like 13 but this is it, there's a little bit of humor there
0: yeah she's very covered up you know she's wearing that like woolly sweater and and even like kind of covering part of her face so there is that like shyness and also it's very understated like i when I think of York albums, besides, I guess, Vespertine, I think of like, there's so many colors and they all mean something, you know? <laughs> so it's interesting that these, this one is sepia because it's just like kind of muted. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this particular album
1: cover? Uh, yeah, so d- this one does connect a little bit to, to one tarot card, and, and I'll try to keep the tarot descriptions pretty brief. But the first, the first uh, tarot card in the deck is called The Fool. And simplistically, it represents or it's symbolic of new beginnings, spontaneity, faith, uh, the embracing of foolishness. So it's sort of like new beginnings, but no fear. And it's usually symbolized by by um, a person kind of stepping off a cliff, just being completely unaware that they're just about to step off a cliff. And, and I find big time sensuality I this song I think is so good at representing that that archetype especially the line that goes I don't know my future after this weekend and I don't want to and then uh, another line goes it takes courage to enjoy it So it's sort of like I'm stepping off this cliff, I'm, you know, starting this new music career as a solo artist, sort of, I'm just stepping off like a fool on this new journey, but I have zero fear, a complete faith. And it's so, it's so beautiful because it's it's the first tarot card and it's her first, um, technically her first solo album. Yeah. I I find that really cool.
0: Yeah, no, that, those are some really cool connections. I do not have any familiarity with tarot cards, so it's, yeah. it's fun to see that that, yeah, that's the first one, yeah. and that totally fits the the storyline of, like, producing the album, but also, like, yeah, what you were saying, the lyrics, because it connects to that, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, uh, is it cool if we move on to post? This is one of my favorites, actually. Oh, so, it's beautiful. Yeah, photographed by Stefan Sednaoui. And it was designed by Me Company, which she worked with on the back too, like creating the beer signature kind of that's on a lot of T-shirts. So I think the first thing that jumps out to me is the airmail jacket that she's wearing, which just ties in perfectly to the title of the album. And I also think like the just the location, it feels very global. There's these like postcards, you know, it was photographed in Piccadilly Circus. So that definitely ties in. But I'm curious, like what you make of this character besides the fact that she is a traveler.
1: Yeah. To kind of give some context, like this is this is after Bjork had been living in London for, I think, like three years. And and Bjork, even though she seems like very cosmopolitan when you look at her art, like she lived in pretty much rural Iceland until she was 27. Like this is a rural country girl. And she avoids talking about being a celebrity in her in her music, which I appreciate. But that's also coming through. It's like you know she didn't expect to be a star, but this is her kind of embracing all of that, embracing living in the city, embracing being a celebrity, and taking it in without judgment.
0: Yeah, I mean that was definitely the period with Post where she was doing a lot more like TV appearances, and she was collaborating with Madonna and other people. And so, yeah, it was definitely her time as like, okay, I'm a celebrity, and the colors it's very bright and exciting it has all that energy that the album has and there was this one quote that i found from an interview she did with stereo gum where she says quote the picture on the cover is me on piccadilly circus too excited too many things bright lights big city kind of thing and me eager to consume so my musical heart was scattered at the time and i wanted the album to show that close quote um i love oh, that perfect. yeah that bright lights big city like a little bit of naivete but like confident at the same time i feel like that's totally her expression here
1: yeah yeah and to one other thing i wanted to mention was i think out of all the songs on the record that kind of really captures encapsulates that energy i'd say is enjoy which is still one of my favorite bjork songs when she goes look at the speed out there it magnetizes me to it and i have no fear i'm only into this to enjoy This, this isn't her natural environment, but she's not scared. It's like, well, this is my reality now, and I'm just going to fully, you know, consume and not in a negative way. You know, usually we talk about materialism and consumption in a bad way, but she just accepted what was happening to her at the time.
0: Yeah, I feel like maybe she said something about how this is a little bit more of a hedonistic album, but it's, it's fine. That's just what it is, because, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's so many fun songs and very like big emotional songs. Of course, we have It's Oh So Quiet on here. So yeah, I think that that covers it pretty well. Is there anything else you wanted to say about Post?
1: Yeah, actually. So this is probably the album that I think most well- is translated into a specific tarot card this is a specific tarot card from a specific deck so in most tarot decks there's a card called strength which kind of speaks for itself but in a well-known tarot deck by kind of a controversial occultist uh, Alistair Crowley uh, this is one of the probably like the third or fourth most popular tarot deck he made strength he called it lust the idea was that if you have fear you don't suppress it or attack it with force you sort of indulge it and I think the what he said was you know you should ride the beast and not suppress the beast I feel like that like what we just talked about post really exemplifies that it's like the city it's not her natural environment she's not a city person but instead of kind of having strength through force and kind of battling the city she just fully embraces it and fully indulges so lust instead of strength
0: if Mm. that makes sense yeah no I I get what you're saying especially once you connect it to like how she embraced the city and decided okay if this is where my life is I'm just gonna go with it even if it might be kind of scary (laughs) yeah I totally see that so we can move on to homogenic yeah
1: if travel is searching
0: this one is also iconic. We know that the uh, cover was designed by Alexander McQueen, same with the kimono that she's wearing. Yeah, there's just like some very exaggerated uh, features like the makeup, the nails, um, and it's a lot more of a muted color palette than post. Um, what, what do you make of that? Like the change in, in mood and character
1: here? One thing she did say in an interview, I don't have the exact quote, but she was like, you know, this character is a warrior, but she's not fighting with force. She's fighting with love. Yeah, yeah. And having this warrior archetype was because of that bombing incident, you know, when someone, a crazed fan, sent a bomb to her house. She also, she also had an engagement that was broken off, and I think like a ton of crazy things happened to her because you know she she even said like my life was going at full speed for like three four years, and then it all came crashing down around the same time. Like all these things happened. It was her coming home, but like with Bjork, there's like multiple layers to to what she means by home. So this was her kind of album to Iceland. So the beats and the beats and the strings were uh, inspired by the Icelandic landscape, but also the Icelandic mentality. Uh, Yoga was her version of the Icelandic national anthem. So it's literal home, but it's also like finding her own home, like her own center without sounding corny. But it's like, if all those crazy things are happening to you, you have to kind of step back and center yourself and, Re- realign yourself somehow. And and I think she sort of had to invoke this this love warrior in order to handle what was happening at the time. Yeah,
0: it's interesting when you mention that this is like kind of a homecoming record because it's not entirely – homey you know the way that vespertine is where it's like comfortable <laughs> like she's returning with like i gotta find myself again almost because we know it's like a breakup album so she sings a lot about you know oh how could i have been so immature and like and at the end we know that she like finally comes to some realization with all is full of love which actually now that i think about it that connects pretty beautifully with what you said about her being a warrior who who fights with love
1: yeah, I like that you I like that you brought that up that the album ends with that. And I guess it kind of goes back to what I said about centering yourself. It's like, like, I can't even imagine all that craziness that she went through, especially when all these terrible things kind of happened all of a sudden. And even if she goes in a dark place, she's like, I need to find kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah,
0: I mean, I do think that this album has some hopeful moments. I mean, like, Yoga is such a beautiful song when you think about how it's, it's not only a tribute to Iceland, but it's also a tribute to her best friend.
1: Oh, that's so funny you said that because I'd actually wrote down a quote she said about Yoga where she said, I think it's my fiercest love song. And it's funny because it was to her best friend. And I, I do think this is the centerpiece of the album, especially when it comes to thematically about finding a center when she says, All these accidents that happen follow the dots and then she talks about you know her friend solving the riddle so I think it's like you know all this craziness is happening and she has to have a conversation with her friend that puts all the dots together and you kind of need that if if you're dealing with a lot of stuff
0: mm, yeah that's true yeah really rely on your friends when you're going through struggles uh, I love that the fiercest love song Ooh, that's perfect I also wanted to talk a little bit about the colors here just because it is such a shift in tone from post, this like silver and gold and light blue. I feel like these metallic colors could kind of relate to that warrior theme because you think of warriors wearing a lot of like metal armor or something like that, but it also feels like futuristic. And so I know this was the album where she, it was like beats and strings. You had to have those really like crunchy beats. And so it kind of feels like it's also a reflection of that. Okay, so Vespertine, um, also one that sticks out in my mind because we all know the swan dress and she totally owns it on this one. Um, so it was shot by, this cover was shot by Inez and in Um How would you describe the character on this cover? And yeah, any other album context you kind of want to bring to this conversation about this album?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I could go in a lot of different directions, but one thing I want to focus on, so... Not necessarily the character, but the symbolism or something I was thinking about actually just yesterday when I was looking at this cover was if you if you look at it briefly or if you see it from far away, it looks really simple, like the colors are very subdued, especially comparing to her other albums that are quite very colorful. But if you take a closer look, it's very intricate like there's this of course, there's a swan dress which is its own kind of intricate piece of clothing, but there's that swan illustration there's the typography with vespertine very very intricate details and even the background it's not like a gray they're pebbles and they're and they have their own little kind of intricacies they're not perfectly even so maybe i'm taking this in a little bit of an esoteric direction but i find it's such a good parallel to the music because if you if you were to listen to vespertine without really good headphones or a good system sounds like very simple music but until you put in headphones and it's it's probably the most intricate album she's ever done so i find the visuals mimic that aspect of the music really well where it's almost if if you're just looking on a surface level it seems simple but if you really pay attention it's extremely complex
0: yeah no that's a great point i also think that the image of the swan and the connection that a lot of people have made to lita and the swan and those that kind of like uh coming out at night and like romance and fragility and all those beautiful things that kind of fit with the record too
1: yeah Um, Oh, one thing that's interesting about the swan, I I was trying to figure out that symbolism, too, because it's so pronounced. But so I searched for how she said anything about it. And all she said was like, I was just obsessed with swans at that period. And I can't really make any logical sense of it at this point. So it's interesting that you were able to find such an interesting connection, because that's a lot of how she works. As far as I can tell, it's just like instinct intuition in the moment and then kind of analysis comes afterwards. And I guess, yeah, it's it's a romantic character. I don't know how much more I can get into it. I guess I could also say it's it's someone that's very willing to merge with another person. Like up until this album, she was very independent and fierce and, and not to suggest that she isn't here as well, but it, it reminds me of the last song where she goes, you know, I, I never thought I would compromise. But there's something about that. She's so in love that she merges with another person without losing herself. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: I like that you bring that up about merging because, I mean, it also works with the kind of layeredness of the album cover, right? Where it's like the swan and her figure kind of complement and, and almost merge in a way. Um, yeah, that's really beautiful. Let's move on to Medulla. So, yeah, as we said, this was also photographed by Ines and Venude and another Eminem Paris collaboration. Um, I think the first thing that I notice about this one is the hair mask. It's very just, I don't know, you've never seen anything like it. And then it also is complemented kind of interestingly by the necklace that she's wearing. What is supposed to look like little bones, which definitely gets at um, the idea that she wanted for this record to feel very raw, very human, very like getting to the, because medulla is like, you know, the vitality like within bones like the marrow, I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I think those all like complement the message. What do you want to say about this record? Like what 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 kind of connections did you make?
1: Before I get into the visual aspects, I feel like I have to touch a little bit about the musicology in order for um, my kind of visual analysis to make sense. But whenever she goes from one album to the other, she goes from one extreme to another on some dimension so I think she just like overdosed on instruments like you know 60 piece orchestra bunch of microbeats. it's like she kind of had it with instruments so she went wanted to make like a purely vocal album which is something she'd wanted to do since she was like 17 so it wasn't really a new idea and also it was the political climate at the time so another layer to that all vocal album is like going back to our roots as as human beings and it's it's very pagan This this pagan idea of like really finding beauty in nature and and mysticism in, in the human body so and, and it's a really interesting because um she she also said i really love this that when she decided to make a vocal album she didn't want to make like a vegetarian burger like she's, it, it's too easy. She said it's too easy when you're making a vocal album to make it really airy and not have any kind of what she said blood and bones and and meat. So she wanted to make a vocal album that was very meaty. <laughs> and it's interesting because she uses all these vocalists, like an um an Inuit throat singer, a beatboxer, like people that use their bodies in really interesting ways to make sounds. It's not just the vocal cords. It's a very embodied. So um, I feel like that's kind of context needed before you actually analyze the the visuals, but the visuals mimic that. It's like a hat mask made from hair. It's a necklace made from bones. It's almost like she emerged from a cave.
0: Um, an interesting story about the hair mask. It was created by the Icelandic artist Shoplifter. and. She had seen their work at the ATM gallery um, and was like, oh, wow, like they're making wall murals made of braids like that's cool. And so then she asked for a custom mask. And the reason why she wanted it is because she wanted there to be kind of a darkness about it, which I think you kind of hear like what you were saying, like the meatiness of the sound of the. Of the record but then she also wanted it to be part of the human body because it would relate to how the whole album is is using voices like our very human sound you know
1: i i didn't know that story and i also have to say i think this is one of my favorite uh, of her album covers oh yeah I think okay. it's really beautiful I, I don't even know i just think it's so aesthetic <laughs> and i feel like it 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 just really represents the album
0: yeah, no, it's very striking, uh, as you're saying. And also, I like that it's mainly black and white or black and gray-ish, I guess, because that is kind of the starkness of these songs because you take out a lot of the layers that she had in, in like, Vespertine and Homogenic.
1: Live soon. Start forgiveness. Girl might
0: live. So, yeah, I feel like it really captures the song so well um okay so volta as you were saying Bjork likes extremes <laughs> so you go from like a black and white cover to like the most colorful album because it's just that startling red and uh bjerk is on the cover wearing this i don't know what to call it like a bodysuit or like a uh, <laughs> it's not really a bodysuit though what would you like a
1: statue <laughs> um yeah actually Here I can actually connect it to a tarot card called the Chariot. Uh, And it is like what it sounds like. It's a man on a chariot, uh, usually being pulled by two animals. And simplistically, it symbolizes victory and willpower, asserting yourself just about to go to war. I feel like this one, I mean... It really does invoke that kind of energy, especially when you consider this was probably her most overtly political album with, you know, Declare Independence and Earth Intruders. Declare Independence. Don't let them do that to you. Declare Independence. Yeah, I feel like this is her chariot where, you know, she's asserting herself and she's just about to... Not I don't want to say attack, but you know, be a little bit more aggressive than she's she's been in the past,
0: yeah, which might explain that red color of the album It's such an aggressive, bright red, <laughs> um, I also like how it's a little bit larger than life, like not only what she's wearing but just like the colors. I think that kind of connects to just the brassiness of this record, how it's just like very loud, very like in your face. was <laughs> at. I don't know that it kind of stumps me like what she's supposed to represent here. I've heard maybe it's supposed to be like a nature spirit because a lot of these political messages, like you said, are about uh, not only like declaring independence, but earth intruders is about climate change and and climate justice, rather, I guess. So that's interesting if that is true. Um, I don't think she's actually commented on what it symbolizes,
1: though, unless have you found anything? no um i was actually just gonna say i don't know if you remember where you you were into bjork when this album came out but people hated this album cover um i'm I'm not i'm not a huge fan but when i do put it through the lens of the tarot cards and the chariot like you know this is her on her chariot about to go to war i'm like okay um i i hate it a little bit less but yeah i, I almost feel like she should have like an army of troops behind her but she, and she's at the front but you just don't see them yeah, no, I can
0: see that. I mean, her little like Earth Intruders stomping behind her almost because the feet are so big. I can't help but think about the squishy sounds of like the stomping at the beginning of that song. <laughs> we are the person, we are the what Bjork has said about this one, and uh, then. New Zealand Herald she said Volta is shaman voodoo and big strokes of red and neon colors it's harsh almost brutal it's very physical almost butch (laughs) so yeah it is pretty harsh these colors maybe that's why it turns some people off but that's exactly what she was going for so I guess jokes on us (laughs) um okay biophilia She's wearing a, like, metallic gold dress where the middle of it by her waist is, like, a harp. And she's holding a crystal, and she has this incredibly large, poofy, orange-red afro. Um, and then you see the galaxy all around her. I mean, so this was another Inez Invenuid photograph. Yeah, what do you want to say about this one? Um, any, any quotes that you found that you want to bring up?
1: Yeah, I actually have found a quote where she describes who this character is i was wondering if like you might have come across the same one but yeah i I did but yeah share it please (laughs) oh okay i'm sure it's the same one Uh, (laughs) beophilia was the elemental all these things in the element table electric blue copper and the music teacher who was an airhead with this red afro with her head in the clouds and she's like kind Oh, I always mess up this word pedagogy got, pedagogy okay so you can re- reread the quote <laughs> uh, with with nature and music trying to unite the two I got a harp I got a crystal I feel like that really like kind of summarizes well but it, I, I like that she this is something that wouldn't have come across for me until I read this quote but the idea that it's a it's a this wild music teacher and what's interesting to me is um for people that watch like Magic School Bus in the '90s, but yeah. it, it, she, it has like a really Miss Frizzle vibe. I was like, gonna all, say that, yeah, no way. It, but it's like it's like it's so it's so striking that I feel like she must have known on some level that that she was kind of invoking that energy.
0: Maybe I mean I know she has kids who might have seen it, but also I don't know how much American media. But also Isadora grew up in New York, so it's very possible. <laughs> Yeah. No, I I love that quote. I love she also uh, in another magazine, she talked about how it was like the music teacher who wants to teach the world musicology, this crazy hippie teaching you and her head is in the clouds. And so she explains the colors, the orange and the blue. She calls them sunset colors, which for me are kind of cosmic. So it's almost this
1: galactic thing. She definitely nailed the color palette here. Yeah. Yeah. And um, again, Kind of back to what you highlighted about the the wild teacher with her head in the clouds. I like that quote because people that don't know Bjork that well or kind of criticize her work from a distance aren't aware of how self aware she is like she's very aware of how people perceive her in the public so like she does this a lot of the stuff that's like tongue in the cheek like she knew that when she was making this album that's like how the universe expresses itself through music I mean it's a big topic like she's aware of the kind of airiness and the spaciness of that idea and and the kookiness of it
0: totally yeah and just like the idea that she's kind of this um, music teacher that maybe not everyone understands what she's saying I remember reading in her biography a producer who worked with her in her early albums, I think it might have been Post, saying that she would describe things in very unique ways. She'd be like, can you make it a little bit fluffier? And they're like, what? How do I make it fluffier? <laughs> like she just has these ways of describing music that not everyone gets, but um, are effective.
1: Came down and gently
0: Okay, so Vulni Kura, this was another Inez and Venude photograph, so props to them. Um, So here she has a gradient background behind her that goes like white to yellow, and she's in this like black, looks like maybe leather bodysuit, and this amazing cape slash headpiece that's yellow and light blue, little spikes kind of coming off of her. And then she has this open chest wound right down between her breasts, so it's just like really raw. (laughs) So yeah, what are your uh, initial thoughts that you want to share about this one?
1: So I feel like I could go in a lot of directions, but one thing I do want to make sure I touch on is the colors and especially her focus on neon. Volna Kura was like the album she made after her divorce and it, it was a very, it, its it was such a dark album. First time I listened to it, I had to stop. Where I can I found this. It's not a quote from her, but in some articles, the, the author or the journalist was saying that one of Bjork's friends said that she had been wearing neon yellow all year, uh, a color that's a color that she associates with healing and transformation. And then she'd also said neon yellow uh, symbolizes danger and the emergency of the heartbreak saga. Uh, this is not her first time of using neon as color symbolism. Like, Homogenic has a song called All, Glow in the dark threads, all Neon Like. The lyrics actually started from a poem that she published, like, two years earlier called techno prayer, which I think is an amazing title and I'll read it's a short poem. I'll read it quickly. Um, And I weave the marvelous web glow in the dark threads, all neon, like the larva surrounds me so I can sleep fetus style. I'm asking for help. The luminous beam to feed me while I sleep. So if you're familiar with all neon like it's it's quite similar to the lyrics. But what's interesting here is she's she's not all neon like she's telling someone that she's going to heal them, whereas here she's she's sort of begging for for healing from this from these glow in the dark threads and the luminous beams. So this neon color sort of symbolizes some sort of like otherworldly energy I just love that color symbolism. Like when you're in this such a dark, dark place, you need this neon light to kind of come from somewhere within you or from from somewhere else to kind of heal you. And it's really cool that she's used that symbolism in the past with all neon like.
0: Yeah, I love that connection. The light and dark is definitely a striking part of this uh, album cover because she is an all black like Inky black, and then the background is very light. And um, she explains a little bit more about this in to the Rikyovic grapevine. She said that the whole thing with last night a DJ Saved My Life, it's an important idea. It's when you have this scar on your heart, but you're on the dance floor and you're ecstatic, and both are equally true. Salvation comes through the pain and through the light that follows. So this tiara she's referring to her headpiece is a little bit about that accepting the darkness is the only way to seek the light so i feel like that complements the connections that you made as well because she is working through all of this you know black lake like i'm at the pit of despair kind of feeling but then also seeing that it's going to bring her transformation she's going to get through it and she's going to heal She also described the wax on her as like an ointment, so that also works for the, the like healing metaphor. Oh. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of fascinating symbolism. I mean, you can even get into the wound and that it almost looks like a vulva and stuff. And I think that's right. like in- in- intentional. There's like a lot of interesting totally. symbolism here. I mean. I'm such a nerd, but I think like, you know, centuries from now, there's going to be PhD students that write about, you know, the significance of neon and Bjork's work. Like there's just yeah. so <laughs> there's so much to unpack. Yeah, totally. Um, OK, so Utopia. So this
0: one, people might describe it as her most ugly cover. <laughs> but uh, what I learned while researching this one is she wanted it to be ugly. So that's interesting. The designer of this one was Jesse Conda. And he said, depending on when you look at it, it can be ugly. And that's the point. That's what I'm trying to do, like making something painful, but transmuting it into something beautiful, which is totally perfect for this because, you know, she just came out of Vulnikora and now she's doing Utopia, showing how she's transformed. She's found light and healing and maybe even fallen in love again. Um, What do you want to say
1: about this album cover? Well, you touched on like the main thing I wanted to cover that's the exact thing that I'd used in my notes was ugly. And, and I actually really love the fact that she worked with Jesse Conda because if you're familiar with his work, he does. For me personally, I think it just really strikes this incredible balance of equal portions, ugly and equal portions, beautiful. And and some of his work is almost grotesque. But there is this, uh, again, I could totally understand why people wouldn't like it. But I, I actually really like his work. So getting into a bit of the context with Utopia and the reason why the cover is, you know, this, this weird it kind of shifts between being ugly and not ugly is because the album isn't just about Utopia. It's about the actual process of implementing Utopia. So when Utopia crashes with reality. And when you actually go from fantasizing about a utopia in your head to implementing it real life, you're going to clash with reality. It's not going to look the way that it looks in your head. So I actually have a quote here from Bjork. I always wanted it to be the both sides of utopia, the perfect fantasy, but also the reality of it. During the writing of the album and mixing it, I was really curious about the contrast between people's dreams and how they make them real, the suspension there. It really turns me on. I think this album was also an attempt to define that, to have a very sci-fi fantasy reverb on a billion moments. And then one minute later, it's the reality, the really dry vocals right next to you, speaking to you directly. So the music too, is like this interplay between the beautiful utopian fantasy and then, you know, how it either melds well with reality, or sometimes crashes with reality. And, And to kind of, come down from the clouds and get a little bit practical about what I mean is, you know, this is the, the album that came after Volna and after a divorce and, and you know, having to construct a utopia to, to come out of that or have to envision a utopia. So the first couple of songs are about her falling in love for the first time after a divorce. And they're, they're so beautiful. I'm just that key. And then, like two thirds of the way through the album, she has Sue Me, which is about her. Unfortunately, her ex husband, Matthew Barney, was suing her over custody of their daughter. So, moving away from the album, in real life, you know, Bjork is trying to construct her new utopia, falling in love again, you know, reconstructing her life. And then, you know, now she's in a courtroom.
0: No, I love that. I hadn't known about that, but that really captures the album of, of, yeah, wanting to make things your utopia, but realizing that it doesn't always work. I also wanted to talk about some of the symbolism on the cover. Uh, We see this, like, weird fetal bird or something on her neck, which connects with those beautiful bird samples that are in the first couple tracks. And also those like flute holes that you see on her neck connects with kind of the sonic landscape as well with all the flutes, which I think is really cute because it's also her returning to like her first instrument. And so it's yeah. like her kind of having a, a full circle moment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, if you really dive into her work, you'll find a lot of these like loop-de-loops and full circles. Like even mm-hmm. when she's doing something new, there's almost like a tie into something she she'd done before. With this album, I, I find it one of the best examples or the best implementations of like a really vivid world that she's created like she pretty much creates a universe with all of her albums but this one's so vivid like this this moist rainforest that's also a bit sci-fi but there's also something kind of dark looming in the distance and and I think that's kind of where that ugliness ties in
0: right yeah no, that totally captures it um well, just to kind of wrap up, I was just wondering kind of your overall thoughts about Bjork's album covers. Like, why do they matter to you personally? Or like, why do you appreciate them?
1: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm like an obsessive fan and just like love everything she does or everything she touches for the most part. Um, but I find like, going back to that theme Thing I might have said earlier where she's very like instinctive and intuitive when she creates music and she said stuff like this plenty of times in interviews where it's like I don't think about the songs I'm creating or the album that I'm creating beforehand I make the song I have to at the time like whatever she's experiencing whatever she's thinking about comes through in the songs and then later when she's kind of mixing it producing and all that she sort of starts analyzing like what 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 was I experiencing at the time? Like, what archetype am I invoking? Like, what character was I at the time? So I think she kind of wraps that all up. Like, she, she, you know, she makes the song so intuitively and instinctually that she kind of has to tie it together at the end with the visuals and give it sort of cohesiveness. And I think the album covers, as well as the album titles, I find that she really does a good job every single time kind of tying it all together with some character or some archetype so I really I really appreciate that because I think it's more of an analytical thing that she does to contrast the very intuitive, instinctual nature of the actual music creation process.
0: Yeah, I, I just want to add on to that, too, like it really emphasizes the distinct musical phases that she goes through for each yeah. record that each one is a different character a different color scheme a different word like it really shows that cycle of death and rebirth that we talked about in that astrology episode um but also just like her growth as an artist that she's like constantly shifting and kind of making different eras of of her career which i love i just think it's fun to follow along well those are all the questions i had thank you so much sasha was there anything else you wanted to share uh before we sign off
1: no, um, no, not at all. But this was so fun. Like, I was a little bit nervous at first, but this is actually so fun because I want to bring up Bjork all the time with my friends, and I do. Like, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, that reminds me of something she said, or she has a song that's about that, or my friend's having a problem. I'm like, you should listen to this song, and they're they're nice they're nice about it. But I'm like, I think I annoy them, and I just need to find someone to talk to that's actually a Bjork (laughs) fan so I don't bother my friends so much
0: oh that's so funny yeah no I I mean it's really cool to talk to someone who's like done so much of their own Bjork research because yeah you can we can just like work off of each other's expertise i guess
1: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and like i said like i think there's so much there because i i I mean it completely like unironically like i think people are going to be really analyzing her music like if people can analyze you know write phds about one short story by some author i'm like there's so much to bjork's work to to be analyzed for future phd students A
0: huge thank you to Sasha Millich for coming on the show. You can follow her Facebook page at facebook.com slash Bjerktaro. A few weeks from now, one of Björk's albums will turn 10 years old. When I first listened to this record, I felt a little underwhelmed. I even thought it was, forgive me Björk, gimmicky. But I was wrong, because as I listened more closely, I realized how ahead of its time it really is. In the next episode, I'll revisit Biophilia, the album, the documentary, and the concert, to uncover the scientific mind of Björk, or as she's called it, her David Attenborough side. You've been listening to Björk Unraveled, a series that demystifies Björk's music one piece at a time. Björk Unraveled is produced independently by me, Savannah Wright. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend and consider donating to help me make the show. There's a link in the show notes. If you have an idea for a future episode, tell me about it. You can find me on Instagram at Bjork Unraveled. I'm Savannah Wright. Thanks for listening.